Blog Talk Radio. Class is in. It's time for Breaking Chains and History Talk with Dr. Lavert Kemp. Sit back, relax, learn, and listen. Pick up the phone and get involved in the conversation. 858-357-9137. Listen and learn who you are. Learn the true history of how society was physically built. Learn the history of who you really are. Learn the history of your people. It's Breaking Chains and History Talk with Dr. Lavert Kemp every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on YAT Radio, leaving a mark that can't be erased by breaking the chains of silence through history. Being brought to you by the United Theological Seminary and Bible College at Rouge, Louisiana. Good evening. Good evening to each and everyone tonight. God bless you. And I ask that God will continue to strengthen you. As we prepare to go into that, there's so much suffering going on in this world today. We know that over in the Ukraine, what's going on in the United States, and things are still so problematic right here in our country, in the United States of America. So many things are going on done in America because of the problems in the Ukraine. Children are dying. Uh, Russia is bombing fiddles, schools, churches. It, it doesn't matter. They are literally trying to blow Ukraine off the map. And there's so much. But the Ukrainians are fighting for their independence. And and so as we see it every night, but there's so many things that left on the table. We uh, should be fighting for right here at home. I don't believe in not having the love and compassion for others, and that I do have. But a charity starts at home, and sometimes our heart pulls out for other folks, but in reality, uh, we haven't received our just do right in America as African Americans. We haven't received our just do righting. Right now, uh, I think they're trying to turn the time back. And when I say turn time back, what I'm dealing with is the injustices of the Voting Rights Act. I'm talking about the gerrymandering. I'm talking about voter suppression. And then with all that going on, them voting to suppress our votes, then we ourselves as African Americans are, are so lackadaisical. We don't go out to the polls in numbers and the some specific black candidate is running for office. And so we, we, we lose elections that we shouldn't lose, and we lose different things that we could gain, specifically dealing with uh, our, our country. As our population grow and the population closer and white America is, is up in arms right now, and that's why you see uh, the GOP and just others too, all over the globe uh, here in America uh, are upset. They're upset because they will, they're losing power. As the population fastly is growing with Hispanics and Asians, uh, the population are growing. Uh, the population of African Americans is stable, staying pretty much the same with population growth. Cajuns or white, uh, so-called white Americans, they are uh, 
the population growth is 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 down rather than producing offspring. And that's one thing that they're hurting because they feel in the next 40 years that they will no longer be the majority. So they're coming up with all types of voter suppression and do away with the, uh, put who they want on the Supreme Court and how they try to gerrymander while they are in, in power, gerrymander where they could make sure the odds are stacked against people of color. Uh, all these things are going on right here in the United States, and we're fighting a war against the people right here in America. We find America is fighting against themselves with human rights, but yet America could travel all over the world and tell everyone else about human rights, and African Americans, Native Americans, uh, Hispanics, and others don't have the rights right here in America. Although people could come from other nations, specifically European nations, and come and uh, treat it, and they are able to get jobs, they're able to to to, to uh, uh, circumvent different things that we're not able to circumvent. Uh, just I noticed that they would allow uh, some uh, Latinos to come from. Mexico and allow them to come into America, but when Haitian, when when the Haiti people from Haiti were going through turmoil right there, they tried to come in. They sent them to other countries. They sent them right back to where they came from. They didn't even give them a chance to come to America. And it's a shame every time some blacks try to come to America, it's almost like you're not wanted. And what's What's ironic about this situation, our president, even President Biden, went along with that. So that's not a star on his chest. Uh, they've been doing that for years. People from Cuba could come here and come to the land. That was okay, especially those Cubans who look more Caucasian than uh, uh, Latino or African-American not African-American, but African-Cuban, um, they were able to they send those back. And so the population have continued to grow in the opposite way, and things are remaining the same. As we uh, look around us, we will see that things are being the, the same. We're not moving forward. If anything, we're going back. I said the voting right act. And we still are getting the same thing over and over again. Black kids are being killed. The police are killing kids. They, they are coming in houses with these illegal search things and killing individuals when they come in, no no knock warrant. And as they kill the people, they get away with it. And they wonder why blacks uh, riot and blacks do different things. And it's because... You've been getting along with it, away with it, and they say, "Well, we need to take it to court." When we take it to court, it's always it's, it has always been when African Americans take something and do it the right way. Whatever Caucasian, whatever murderer kills, a policeman kills that African American kid or adult. Nothing, they never have to pay for it. But if a black policeman kill a Caucasian child or a young person, they pay for it. And 
like uh, it makes me feel that being figure our eyes are blind or we're just that ignorant that we can't see what's been going on for centuries and it haven't changed yet. And if you say something about it, you're an angry black man or woman, uh, you're living in the past and you're not, the past is right here now. Our, our, our past is here. We still live in the past. The same things are happening. Uh, the only thing we see it a little more is because of the uh, invention of the cell, the, the cell phone with the camera, which uh, African American invented. Uh, we 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 need to take our time to look upon things we're dealing with. That uh, George Floyd uh, act that's about the police killing uh, blacks, and I, I, I was doing some studying and. One of the most profound things that I've uh, I've read, other than some statements made by Harvey, uh, but I, this John Lewis said, oftentimes when blacks ride, they put it on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox, and everyone is look at how these heathens are doing, uh, uh, burning a city, and uh, 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 ramshacking stores and stealing and burning. Floyd died. They didn't come out. They doesn't go out and they tell you how many boogaloo boys and white supremacy was the one doing the burning. And the blacks got the bad rap for some of their things that they done. Now, when, when I'm saying that John Lewis, there was actually John Lewis pertaining to uh the ride during the time of George Floyd and the looting and the burning. And uh, he made a profound statement. And, and I think that, uh, that, that that's something I take with me to my grave. He said that he don't believe, he did not believe in riding, looting, or burning. He didn't believe it. And I don't believe in riding, looting, or burning. But he made this statement, but he said, but. I thought he was finished with his statement when he said, said, made the statement he didn't believe in rioting, rioting and looting and burning, uh, you know, places and things like that. But he, he wasn't finished with his statement because he put that conjunction, you know, uh, coordinating conjunction and but no and off. They say, but you, you haven't seen if there were no injustices, it wouldn't be any rioting. So when I thought about things, I tried to go back over the times that I could remember in my 70 years. There was never any rise unless some um, civil or social injustice had occurred, or the death or uh, the killing of some black person. It never, it never came because that's the only way African Americans figure that they could get any justice is by doing something to try to hurt somebody else because the hurt had been perpetrated against us for centuries. And then they say that you're acting like savages. Well, I thought the savage is the one that do the killing. I thought the savage was one that raped, tell people child like cattle, like cattle, like, like cattle, like cattle. Uh, you know, take a person and count that person as less than a human. Hang them, lynch them, burn them. 
And then they go even further. I thought the savage was the one that killed somebody and do a genocide on a whole race of people. The indigenous race of people here. Kill them and take their land. I thought that was savagery. Thing is reversed today. The very people who who the savage act was against are the people who they call savages. I, I'm confused with that definition because the, what they call the savage does not represent the people whom they call savages. People in South Africa have been saying about taking that land back, but they claim that they, they want that. That's their land. But if they say that uh, uh, the Portuguese, the Dutch, and the others, the French, uh, not the, the, but the British and others that's in South Africa claim the land for themselves. They've been there for 300 years. And the blank just said, give us our land back. You know this land don't belong to you. You're not indigenous. Fight for our land. But if the blacks start fighting for their land, then America, Russia, and other countries are going to come in and shoot them down like they're nothing. The European thing. And uh, we're going to get into the Berlin Conference at a later time. But uh, today, I, I wanted tonight, I wanted to talk about some things. And I want to talk about this person that um, we need to understand about Haiti. We need to learn something about Haiti and how did Toussaint Leoverture, who a man that was born in bondage in a French colony in Santo Domingo, to the very day is called, called Haiti and enslaved for more than half of his life now, come to be the leader of the most successful slave revolt in the history. And he helped precipitate, amen, I'm about to start now, precipitate the downfall of the European colonialism in the Western Hemisphere. And what I'm talking about, in the 17th century, in Santo Domingo, uh, it was striving, a wealthy colony of the Americas. It's sugar, it's coffee, it's indigo, the cotton plantation, the minted money fueled by, by enslaved, just like America was fueled uh, uh, in the past, was always fueled by the poor slave labor. Now, 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 you have to understand Haiti, as we call it today during the time was they can't call it Santo Domingo. The French colonial since uh, 1697 occupied the western third of, of the Caribbean island. Well, you don't know, today, some call it Hispaniola. Well, while the Spanish had colonized the eastern side of side called Santo Domingo, now the Dominican Republic had revolted. Against certain things, you need to understand that even with this, they were with the revolt in 1791. Uh, this thing, it, 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 the revolt came about, and this is where you find that Toussaint the Overture he led this revolt. 
in Haiti in 1779 to 1804. It was one of the most important outcomes of the revolution was that it was it forced Napoleon Bonaparte to sell Louisiana Purchase, and we heard about Louisiana Purchase. That's how the U.S. United States enlarged themselves. The, when you say the Louisiana Purchase, so many states were involved with the Louisiana Purchase. What major results was that, that came from the Louisiana Purchase because of the Haitians. And in this with the Haitians enforcing that, they forced Napoleon Bonaparte to sell the Louisiana Purchase. That was part of Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, uh, Arkansas, Missouri, and many others, Minnesota, and so many other parts of the Kansas, and so Oklahoma, and so many parts of these states were all part of Louisiana, was a, a large part of the United States during the time. And Napoleon Bonaparte sells the Louisiana Purchase to the United States in 1803. Now, what happened, this uh, resulted in a major territorial expansion of the United States. When Haiti took their independence in 1804, they changed their colonial name from Santo Domingo, the name given by the French to Tia Aino, the name of Haiti, uh, uh, they change, or uh, they call it Creole people. What they call, what they spell that that Creole back then is their K R Creole, K R E Y O L Creole, and they call it Ayata, which was what they call Haiti, as the first black independent country with a stir of success. How they fought guerrilla warfare. Some call it a ragtag army, defeated one of the most popular and forceful generals of all time, Napoleon Bonaparte. We know him as this little man in the history books when I studied in school and in college. Uh, he always had his hand tucked into his, uh, his uniform. Now, this very same man that we're talking about, uh, two suddenly over to him, he became recognized as general and too suddenly over to him. He led this revolt. He led the army. And he began to have Haiti recognized as the first black independent country with a stir of success from a slave revolt. Haiti was a ray of hope for African Americans in the United States of America. During the 19th century, when I say 19th century, I'm talking about the 1800s. Like France, the U.S. did not recognize Haiti's independence until 1862, precisely because white America worried that Haiti's existence would challenge their slave-driven economy. Now, I, I need to speak to you concerning about that slave-driven economy. If you don't know, when you hear a lot of African Americans and, 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 and Blacks talk about this point that America was built upon slave labor. Well, when they're saying that America is built upon slave labor, they're telling the truth. During slavery time, the 17th and even in the 1800s, 17, 16, America and exports. Imports is when you buy something and you buy it and bring it into your country. You pay for that. 
but your exports are when someone else is buying your product. Well, the product uh, in America and during that time that made America who it is today, the wealthiest nation in the world, was slave labor. The greatest money that was made, 60% of all wealth that came to America came from slave labor. And it, it, you have to understand, it was first cotton was the highest, highest rated thing that they were uh, exports. Yeah. Then was sugar, coffee, indigo. And they, they were doing these things and they were getting money from it because you have 7 million individuals working and they're working for free from sunup to sundown. It wasn't eight hour and you were making any type of wages. You worked for free. And then the most uh, individuals like to say, well, that was only in the South and the people of North was in the freeze and they had textiles and they were making other things that up there. Well, if you ask how you make, well, how do you make textile? Well, the first thing, textile and tiles are made. You need cotton so that it would be cohesive, that'll make it hold together. It takes cotton to put it in there to keep it together. And so they needed the same thing. And then the slave trade was financed by large banks up north. They were learning these, lending these plantation owners money to finance these things. But here they find they had a deep hatred for this man called Toussaint Le Overture, who gained the freedom as a general Toussaint Le Overture led his forces to victory over planters, class, thousands of invading French troops. But that was only the start. He navigated a complex, ever-swift shifting politics and dual colonial power. He successfully repelled aggressively the European mightiest nations, the French, the Spanish, and English, using his diplomatic gall and cannon, playing them off one after another. He battled them. He conquered the Spanish side of his Spaniels, uniting the island and establishing himself as the governor, as the general, and he brought about this in Pan America. He brought this together the way the people was working, and he worked them, he reopened the plantation. But they were getting paid under what he did. He was very, very intelligent. Now, this is a, a man that was a slave. He fought in the French Revolution. He helped the French. But now listen at this. This is just how, how we get tricked into things. Although we have to find out that two Sunday Overture died in a French jail. They tricked him to come to a place. And when he got there, man, they arrested him, and he died. Although two Sunday Overture died in the French jail, a year before Santo Domingo gained full independence, they rechristened itself as Haiti. In 1804, his myriad efforts set the stages for the establishment of the second sovereign nation in the Western Hemisphere, after America, the world's first sovereign black state, here, how he did it. And, 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 you know, they were fighting jungle warfare. And, you know, and, and, and that was during the 1700s. You have to understand, they were doing this in like in the 1700s. 
they fought guerrilla warfare with rakes and holes and things, and they were taking the guns from the French soldiers that, and also defeated several of the best generals that Napoleon Bonaparte had. And it, it was a blessing for America because it, it instituted them to get the, uh, the Louisiana Purchase. Do you know the rebel leaders included uh, two Sunday over to refuse over to a chose to do battle instead for 6,000 man fleet. He defeated the French. Tucson was aware of his regiment lack of training, but trained his people. He trained them, although they, they, they wasn't trained in combat. We have to understand when France normalized abolition and slavery in his territory, Tucson the Overture then joined the French force and defeated, and defeated the Spanish army and gained him the name in a campaign against the British, who he had uh, designated Santo Domingo, which he would change later to Haiti. Now, I want us to understand, this is a man in the 1700s. Now, understand this. Hundreds of years now before the independence was really in America, this man, and well, Reconstruction, in 1791, he did battle. And in 1804, Haiti was a nation, just like America. It was a nation because of two suddenly overtures. So when we study history, let us think about it. But I, I want to speak to you just a little bit concerning. I want you to be aware of something. If you ever notice about Haiti, how the people treat the Haitians, even to this very day, how Haiti is, is treated. I've noticed that people don't trade with Haiti. Haiti has been made a third world country. Even this great nation that we live in, we, we have to understand about why Haiti is in the shape that Haiti is in. Uh, Haiti is in the shape that's in because of the people uh, of, of Spain and France being uh, against them and not trading with them and making them a third world country. We refused to accept them to come here because there were the people that stood up for uh, knowing that they're human. There are so many individuals that started things. We know about Martin Luther King and we know about several individuals that, that was here, but we don't know about who Sunday over to him who showed us, gave us the thing that Blacks could fight back and get their independence. They didn't want that in America because they figured that, that this would change the thing because if the slave would rebel here and wasn't working, America could not. Black were not, or white were not accustomed to doing hard work as they claim that we are today. I heard one guy once said that whites are angry with blacks today and say that blacks are lasers. But now they call us lazy because we asked to get paid for our labor instead of back then when uh, they had you working for free. So it's, it's, it's one of those things. We have to understand uh, just why certain things are. And notice today about how poor Haiti is, earthquakes and different things that people cool that's going over there. But no one stand up for Haiti. 
America won't even let Haitians come into America. When even they having civil wars going on there, they refuse to let them come there. And and, and to me, it's a crying shame that a person would do another individual like that. Now, another person that 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 I like to say, I'm not sure if, if brother brother uh, Joe, uh, Professor Joe is on the line. If Professor Joe, if you're on the line, let me hear your voice. Brother Gary, are you on the line tonight? Well, if not, I, I'm going to just say a little something, touch on uh, Marcus Garvey is another person that was very, very strong and prolific for really the civil rights that's in America today. I know we read a lot about Dr. Martin Luther King and others, but we need to know about this man called Marcus Garvey, and we need to start reading our books and learn the true thing about it. Now, you have to understand that Marcus Garvey was born August 17th in 1887, but he was born in St. Anne Bay, Jamaica. Now, you have to understand that Marcus Garvey ended up being this prominent figure. Starting back in the early times, Marcus Garvey has always been very prominent and he went around now Marcus Garvey he was an orator of the black nationalism and Pan American movement, to which he founded Universal Negro Improvement Association, an African committee league. Garvey advanced the Pan African philosophy, which inspired a global mass movement known as Garveyism. See Garveyism would eventually inspire others from the nation of Islam to the Rastafarian movement. Now, what are you talking about? Garvey just didn't stay in Jamaica, but he took his, his, his movement further than just Jamaica. You might say Jamaica, this little island, but, but Garvey took it further. And, and you have to understand that he was born in 1887, I told you, in St. Anne Bay, Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Self-educated, Garvey founded this Universal Negro Improvement Association. He dedicated his life for African Americans that live in there to resettle. He asked them to resettle in Africa. Take your finances and your trade and go back to Africa. Garvey was uh, the last of 11 children born to Marcus Garvey Sr. And his, his mother's name was Sarah Jane Richard. Now, later on, yeah, you're going to find out that Garvey uh, came to he left when he left, excuse me, when Marcus left Jamaica, <clears throat> when he left Jamaica, Marcus went, went to um, Puerto Rico, and there he started organizing in Puerto Rico, but eventually he ended up in New York. And he, when he came to New York, he started putting together things because he, he was able mm-hmm. to do different things in New York where he wasn't able to do in other places. You have to understand when he had that United that the the University United Negro Improvement Association, they renowned all over the United States. They had chapters all over. But what's ironic about it, they had more chapters of this United Negro uh thing right here in Louisiana had more than anywhere else. There was seventeen. So the South wasn't as bad as others thought. Now I want us to listen at this. 
Garvey returned to Jamaica in 1912 after he had founded this Universal Improvement Association with a goal of all African dispersal and establishing country absolute government its own. Sponsored Booker T. Washington, an American educator who founded Tuskegee Institute, Garvey traveled to the United States in 1916 to raise funds for similar mm-hmm. ventures in Jamaica. This one he settled in New York and formed the UNIA chapter in Harlem to promote separatist philosophy for social, political, and economic freedom for black people. This happened in 1918. Garvey began publishing the widely distributed newspaper, Negro World, to convey his message. Now, listen to this. I know you haven't heard much about Garvey. This team, 19, the UNIA. Now, Martin Luther King and others came later on, but Garvey was already starting things right here. He started in Jamaica, and he moved it there, self-educated. And I find it strange today that our kids will not get themselves educated. For some reason, we refuse to get ourselves educated. And, you know, in August of 1920, the UNIA claimed 4 million members and held its first international convention at Madison Square Garden in New York City before a crowd of 25,000 people, all from all over the world. Marcus Garvey spoke of having pride in African history and culture, Mm -hmm. and many found this word inspiring. But not all. Some established black leaders found his separatist philosophy ill-conceived. W.E. DeBose, a prominent black leader and officer of the NWCP, called Garvey the most dangerous enemy that the black race in America. Garvey felt DeBose was an agent of the white elitists. Now, they, 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 differ, they had different opinion on what had happened. Now, you have to understand, too, the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover, was fixated on running Garvey mm-hmm. out of the country and having Garvey watched every step of the way. Now, I, I want you to understand, whenever a person uh, really just really stand up for themselves, I found out that they're hated through, uh, through the media because for some reason, not some reason, I know what the reason is, uh, this thing about blacks being uh, inferior is still something that uh, whites have been embedded in them, and those that are educated know better than that. They understand who blacks really are. They understand who the Egyptians, they understand about the blacks in, in, in Nigeria and the Eurobos and people from Benai and, and other places. They know about Mali and they know about Timbuktu. They know about the Moors people. But we don't know about ourselves. So it's, it's so much many things that mm-hmm. we've been successful in building that they had building, they're finding things, excavating things right now around Nigeria and other places uh, in the uh, mid, the mid, the middle parts of Africa that go back eight thousand years. Eight thousand years ago, they were just coming out of caves and. Uh, before that, less than 8,000, maybe about 6,000 years ago, they had not long came out of caves in, in Europe. Uh, and if you would even talk about it in the Europe, got that the European knowledge came from Greeks. The Greeks and the Greeks got their knowledge, you know, 
Herodias would tell you he had his, they got their knowledge, Herodias, and um, they would tell you they got their knowledge from uh, 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 Egypt. During that time, they were trained. So I want, want you to understand that that you're no way uh, behind anyone else. So I, it's important, it's imperative that we understand these things. Now, I talked to you about two Sunday Overture. I talked to you about something about Marcus Garvey because Marcus Garvey really was the one who initiated the uh, civil rights movement for us. Really, mm-hmm. if you go back, he really started doing it. And, you know, we have this flag, the red, red, green, and black flag, red, black, and green flag, and he's the one at Pan-Africa who started that, that flag. So I, I want us to understand that. And under people, you think that people don't know about that. If people, you know, now this thing about DNA is 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 spreading like wildfire. DNA could do some of everything to help you find out who you are, where you came from, uh, who's your people. Because I I I take that ancestry DNA and I. I've been finding mm-hmm. out exactly the different areas that are uh, in me from coming through slavery. I have so many different places like Yoruba is, is the most uh, part of me is Yoruba and around the Congo and Yoruba. But then it's next, uh, it's uh, the next, I think it's, now I think it's Nigerian and it's, it's some others. It's Mali, it's, it's Benai and Ghana and things like that, uh, Sierra Leone and and other things, but then I have Native Americans, I have Irish and Eastern European, Northeastern European, dramatic and things like that. Blood, and I know how this, how this dramatic and other things that came about in my bloodline and come by my great ancestors being raped. But nevertheless, that this thing about DNA it tells you a lot. But when these white scientists begin the DNA. This DNA, they found that everyone could trace our DNA back in the maternal line, meaning the, the female line, inherited to my, a mitochondrial DNA within the cells of all humans, have theoretically the common ancestors. And, and, and theoretically, all of us came from the same person. No matter what color is, your complex, it's just a count of the complex uh, of your complex. This woman's name was Mitochondria Eve. Now, Mitochondria Eve, and it's important that we get this and, and really put this in our head. In between 100 to 200,000 years ago, they found this lady around, around Tanzania, uh, around the, around going to a, a sub-Saharan Africa. She was not the first human, but eventually other human lineage eventually had no female offspring failing to pass on this mitochondria DNA, and as a result of all humans mm-hmm. today carry traces, can trace their mitochondria DNA back to mitochondria, this black woman. Within her DNA and that of her peers exists all the genetic variation we see in contemporary humans, humans, E-time. Different populations of humans have, have drifted apart genetically, forming distinct ethnic groups that we see today. Now, and, and what that tells us that it does not matter if you're from China, it does not matter if you're from Japan, India, 
Russia, North, North Western Europe, Europe, uh, Native American, South America, uh, those out in the Pacific Islanders, Australians, Aboriginals. No matter where you come from, you carry this native mm-hmm. DNA. You carry a DNA. Everyone came from us. Now, now, out of Africa didn't start until seventy thousand years ago, and, and and now these are things that people don't want taught in school today. They don't want the truth. It's not CRT. It's not critical race theory, and that's one thing that they're fighting so hard to tell and let their children. And then I'm talking about Europeans, I'm talking about Caucasians, fighting so hard to keep their children from learning the truth, who they are. And they will find out that they came from Africa. That 1.3 billion people that live in Africa, you know, you have to understand that. That 1.3 billion people is so much more than that list, 700 and what, nine. Seven point seven hundred million uh, Caucasians in the world, just not counting the African people that's are that's not living on the African continent. It, it, it dwarfs the population uh, of just the Caucasian race, just in Africa alone. Not counting the Africans in India, not counting the Africans that live in Europe. Not counting Africans that live, Africans that 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 migrated to Canada or America, uh, South America, the islands, and uh, uh, all over the world, Pacific Islands. Now, now it's imperative that we understand those things. That that these are things that's not that that people don't want taught, and they even show you further information on it about 315 years before the birth of Christ. They had a man who died about 315 years before Christ, and he, he he was living in South Africa. He is the closest known relative or the closest match yet known to humanity to the female ancestral mitochondria Eve. Now, this is Africa. They know he was a fisherman because he lived on the coast, and he's the closest genetic match to mitochondria Eve. They found this fossil around what they call St. Helen Bay in South Africa. And if you want to look it up, you can find the archaeologist's name uh, was Andrew Smith at the University of Cape Town. Now it's imperative that we understand these things. It, 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 it's so imperative that we understand who we are. You have to understand even before mitochondria Eve, they found they found fossils much earlier than they found millions of years ago. They found mm-hmm. what they call uh, Homo habilis, and when you talk about Homo habilis, they talk about man first walking upright, and they call her Lucy is Australopithecus, and they found the fossil in 1974 uh, around uh, in Ethiopia. Now, when they found this fossil, what they called her Lucy, and she was found by Don Johansson and Tom Gray. Uh, this fossil they named her Lucy, she was 3.2 million years old. This hermit was known as Lucy. 
1,200,000 years ago, she walked the earth from Africa. And then they even go, even not further back, but you could go by, they got what you call zenzatropy. Zenzatropy mm-hmm. is two point, I think, six million years. And these discoveries were made by Lewis Leakey and his wife, Mary Douglas Leakey. And uh, these, you're talking about paleontologists who discovered the first proconsul score. And you, you, you're talking about, when they talk about the word proconsul, mean that these, some apes that start walking upright, and they're the closest extinct ape that, you know, they believe they're ancestral to human beings. But I beg to differ with their finding on that. Now, Mary Douglas, uh, she discovered a robust, what they call Zenzantropy, Zenzantropus, uh skull in the O.D. Guard. That's in Tanzania. That's where they say life originated from. In the O.D. God, a little bit over there around uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, uh, several archaeological and anthropological mm-hmm. fossils of the ancestral ape and human. While excavating O.D. gods, they found tools and utensils dating back, stating that man was able to make tools millions of years ago, and that that man just didn't start making tools. That man was able to make different things millions of years ago. Now, when they say that Lucy, they talk about Lucy and others, they say that she was bipedability, walking upright. Some of them go back, they even found some footprints in volcanic ash that go back to 3.75 million years ago. You know, we have to understand Tim White came, Tim White discovery came before Lucy. 4.4 million years ago. It has so much. All these things came from a place in Africa. Mm-hmm. You have to understand, they know, I mean, the, the study, when, whenever they're looking for fossils or find out where did man originate from, and it's a known fact that's not taught the way it should be taught, uh, but they, they go to Africa to find the oldest fossils in the world of where the human originates, they go to Africa because they know that 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 black, the color black or the color of African is the real color of mankind. They know that is the prime color of mankind. The other colors are just almost like a mixture of fade color. Okay, we have to understand too, when you start talking about uh, genetics, you have to deal with a person called uh, Gregoire Mendel, and he was noted by most people as the father of genetics. From him, we find out that with mm-hmm. the genetics, it deals with the inheritance involving, you know, the passing on discrete units of genes from one parent to another. In other words, that we we inherit our our parents' genes. But I want want you to understand, and and I'm gonna uh, tell you some things about about what Mendel came up. Mendel. Uh, law explain how we pick up different traits and talk about different uh, colors and things or different things that represent dominant uh, traits or dominant genes, uh, recessive genes. Now, Mendel had some laws, and it deal with uh, when people came out of Africa, out of Africa, he had the law of independence assortment. If you assault people independently, 
in order they're going to resemble a certain way. And then they had the independence dominant, the people that the, the dominant people will prevail. If you take a dominant, mm-hmm. the dominant uh, person, the color is going to always come out that way. You can't get uh, a dominant from a recessive. And then the law of segregation. The law of segregation, if you segregate certain people to certain areas, they'll begin to multiply, look like that person. And I, I think about it when I look at China and look at if you go to different countries that that does not mix with other countries like China and Russia and Japan, the people are going to look like Jap- The Japanese people look like Japanese. The Chinese look like Chinese. They're not black. But like America is a, a melting pot, so you'll find people. But Mendel came up with certain things with his law. Mendel came up and found out that black and brown skin come from dominant genes. And that word dominant means superior. Brown eyes came from <laughs> dominant genes. He said light skin came from recessive genes. Blue eyes came from recessive genes. Now, I, I, I hate to bust certain people bubble, and I know a lot of even the scientists, Caucasian scientists, don't like to admit these facts. See, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that down in a few. Now, what you could do, you could get the, you could take two dominant people, and the two dominant people could come from the Sudan in Africa, which the darkest people in the world come from. And you could take those two individuals and put them together, and they could come up with a child that look white. It's called albino. But you can't take two white individuals and make a, a black child. Because, see, you could get the recessive from the dominant, but you can't get the dominant from the recessive. Because the, the dominant is, is superior, mm-hmm. and the recessive is... is a, it's 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 a, a recessive. Now, and if you think I'm kidding about that, all you have to do is find that the report on what they call hidden DNA discovery, only found in Black African people. And, and all you have to do is look it up, Carter T. Otis. And then um, you have to look this up, and it's called. The World DNA Strand, the American Association of the Advancement of Science, a DNA series, genome. And you can look it up. You can find this man's name is Dr. Edward Robinson. And he, he made some profound statements. Now, when you, you looking this up, and I want when I say things, I, I, I want you guys to learn to go back mm-hmm. and look over these things and, because I don't want to ever lie to you. See, we have a different series. Now, what they call this thing is, uh, it's called the Global Pattern of Disequilibrium. It measured the intelligence of people and the possibility for people to be a genius. Listen to what I'm saying. It's called, uh, this measure your intelligence. The greater the number of the series, the greater is possibility is to be a, a genius. It's called a global pattern of disequilibrium. Think, and I say this several nights, but I want this because I don't know if it's if there are some new individuals that's tuning in tonight to my show. 
but I want us to understand you got DNA have sequence and DNA have series. Mm-hmm. Now, I want you to understand that sequence could help tell what area uh, your ancestors came from, but the series could help you deal with the intelligent level. Most uh, scientists, arche- archaeologists, uh, anthropologists, and many others, uh, especially anthropologists, talk about that uh, anthropologists. They say we came from apes and others. So to find out about the intelligence of humans, you have to start from where they say we originated from. And so the first animal they test from the ape family was the orangutan, orangutan. And notice what I, I tried to tell you guys, that uh, the higher the series, the more intelligent that, that that animal person is. Now, this is 15 scientists who wrote this paper. They didn't publish the book, but it's copyrighted. Copyrighted on the global pattern of this equilibrium. They found out that the orangutan, the orangutan have three series. And that that that's low. Then they tested the gorilla. The gorilla had four series. They even tested the chimpanzee, and the chimpanzee had five series. Now then they said, well, we had tested the animals, and the chimpanzees was the closest to the human being, and the chimpanzee had a higher series uh, than uh, the rest of the gorilla or the, or the orangutan. So that's the one that they say that we came from, the chimp family. Now, now, now they went to Europe in these other areas where Caucasians, Japanese, and other places all over the world. And when they test those endohumans, they came up with six series higher than any chimpanzee, any gorilla, any orangutan, and any other. But one place they did not test they didn't test Africa, and when they decided to test Africa, they test people from West Africa. And for those uh, African Americans who live in America, most of our people that came over as slaves, the slaves came from West Africa. They tested the West Africans, and when they tested the West African, the West African came up with nine series three series above all the other races. Now, notice they said that series is a measure of intelligence, and a greater possibility of being a genius is the higher your series is. Now, now Africans were nine, had nine series, so that's three higher than the six for the other nations, the Caucasians in Europe. Now I want you to understand this. Have you ever under, have you ever paid attention that every field that African Americans have been able to participate in or allowed us to get into? They were talking about even talked about the Tuskegee Airmen, and how good a, a fighter pilots they were. Then um, when you talk about fiber optic wiring. Uh, 5G and all this other stuff, communications and all kind of things like this. They're talking about fiber optics. Do you know that blacks invented that? You're talking about some 
we're talking about individuals that are very, very intelligent. Now, through slavery, we have this thing that interbreeded and molding on us that we dumb in that we 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 we're inferior to other races, but the other races know mm-hmm. that you're not inferior at all, that you carry dominant genes. The GPS system, global positioning system, it works out of space, it works on land. When I travel out of state, I could put my GPS and, and I could just I could key in the the address of someone in Florida and we leave Louisiana and they drive me right up to their door. And global position, a black lady, fibraptic, a black lady. And that cell phone is just just about over half of America, not counting all over the world, have cell phones. That was invented by a black person. The typewriter, a black person. The gas mask used in all the refineries, mm-hmm. chemical plants for war. Invented by a black man. Safety goggles, eye protection. The elevator for all these high-rise buildings. The clothes dryer. The air conditioning unit. The arm and neck higher plant. The different parts of the moon, full moon, half moon, how to plant your crops. The high tide, the low tide. This is blacks. Most of the people, farmers today, use the arm and neck to, to plant their crops by. This is a black man. Blood plasma bag. The lawnmower, the lube cup. Without a lube cup, you couldn't have a train. You couldn't have an airplane. You couldn't have an automobile because... Uh, uh, if you run these metal parts, it will weld itself itself together when it overheats. The refrigerator, mm-hmm. the spark plug, not one car could run without a switch. So old, it was invented by Ammon Hotel in Egypt, one of the builders of the first step pyramid. Now, I know that we were told, and by television, how it lies to us that 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 they showed some white people, which the whites were not the Hebrew, that the Hebrews built a pyramid. But they say during Moses' time, Moses was actually uh, 1,300 years before Christ. And 1,300 years before Christ, that would make it 3,300 and some odd years. The pyramids is over 5,000 years old, some six. So... The children of Israel wasn't even there when they when they get when they were if they did go to when they were in Egypt the pyramids had already been built. So that's just mm-hmm. Hollywood that that we're looking at. That's just Hollywood that we're looking at. All we have to do is do the research and you'll find these things out. Uh, the stomach that control. Why would we be with all of this traffic without a traffic light? That's a, 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 a black invented this. this these ex slaves, the electric light bulb, bulb. This is blacks. And now, I, I don't want to keep naming because I got so many more I could name, but I just wanted to name name some certain things that uh, we that we uh, that blacks have invented, just to let you know the intelligent level, and to let you know that you're no way dumb. But it's, it's not taught in high school, and no one wanted taught in high school because the uh, the, the the young white kids they'll find out that mm-hmm. they're not 
responsible for inventing a lot of things, not to make them feel dismayed or down or anything, but why why you won't teach this in school? Because then they would realize that they didn't really invent a fine thing, that when they came to, to the Americas around Hispaniola, it was already, uh, they already had people living there. When they came to the Americas, you can't discover a place with millions and millions of individuals. You cannot do that. So that's very, very important that we, we, we understand that, that you cannot, that, and then tell, tell them the truth that you kill off the people and took their land. Uh, there's so much that need to be taught the truth about all these inventions. And I, I, you know, I oftentimes I see this. I see this while we're talking. It's never mm-hmm. taught that they had blacks in, in 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 America long before Columbus or anyone came this way. And 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 you know. This this elderly white lady, her name is Jane Elliott. She is, she's an anti-race racism activist, and she made a statement on television, and she's been on several television shows. And she made this statement. She said she once made a statement and said that wouldn't have to that wouldn't have to be a Black Lives Matter if we didn't have 300 years of Black Lives Don't Matter, and how they're still killing different people, and then. Dr. Keith Chain explained, and he writes this, that white people is a mutation of African, is a mutation of African. That's the one thing mm-hmm. they don't do. In other words, you just are offspring off of African. And in reality, if I have a white catfish, it's called an albino. If I have a white alligator, I'm from Louisiana now. If I come up with a white alligator, it's called an albino alligator. If I have a white tiger, that white tiger is called an albino tiger. If I have a white lion, it's albino. Everything is albino or albino that comes out white. Found out that when it comes to white folks, they don't like to admit that they're really albino because they know that and that it did that they're no more than a mutation. And it's important that we don't we don't have very good vocabularies and things. So it's time that we start doing our research. Now it's important that we understand, see, the mm-hmm. definition of a mutation, a mutation is this, and I'm telling you, now listen at what I'm about to say and I'm gonna take my time and explain this. A white folk mutated from Africans. They don't have the color because they lost their color. Listen to what a mutation is. A mutation is the change of a structure of a genome resulting in a variant form that may be transmitted to subsequent generations. So when this this, 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 the change of this genome happened, they've been passing on to subsequent generations and coming out this color. Cause... It was caused by an alteration of a single base unit of DNA or depletion or insertion or rearrangement of a larger section of a gene. All it did is they say a deletion, that the deletion Mm -hmm. is in melanin. They don't have melanin, so they don't have skin color. 
they can't live in the heated area because they don't have melanin to block the sun rays. Okay? That's why you wear dark colored eyeglasses when you work in and the sun is beaming now. Now in other words, a mutation is the now listen to what it said. A mutation is ultimately the only way in which new variants in a species. The only way a new variant, a new uh, race or species can come in is through a mutation of one. And the mutation occurred with Africans. Okay, now we've been hearing about mutation and COVID-19 mutating and this variant, you start with the COVID-19, okay? And then you, you have the, the next strain, Delta strain uh, variant of it. Then you go to to, to Omicron. Not, we, we, we listen at them, talk about things on television and other places, radio, and we look it up on YouTube and we find out what they talk about, variants. Now, the, the definition of a variant is very good to tell you what how white, the color people change color, tell you that they were black. A variant is a form or version of something that differ in some respect from other forms of the same thing or from a standard. They are variant. They came, you know, the, the, they were black, but they came about in respects to another form. They changed the form of what they were. Now, even now, we, we, we sometimes we use the difference in the hair. But I submit to you that there are difference in hair mm -hmm. in different places in Africa that does not have European blood in there. Africa come, the African people from Africa could be brown. They could be the darkest of the dark. They could be brown. They could have curly, straight hair. It does not matter. They, their hair is there. And also, uh, I'm not going to get into it because I'm about to open the lines and certain things that I wanted to uh, talk about uh, suddenly over to it and briefly touch on uh, Marcus Garvey and uh, talk about the voting rights that's going on that's not being looked at because of Ukraine. But we have problems right here in America. We need to need to solve problems. Try, try to solve these problems at home. I don't want anyone to die. But we need to concentrate here because a whole lot of people is totally dissatisfied with what's going on. And, and blacks are still dying on the street at the hands of police and still getting away with killing mm -hmm. blacks and they come up with things while we are angry people because you keep killing us and you never get punished until you start punishing you and you stop killing us. Then and, and I'm very well aware of how we're killing one another because I'm an advocate activist against black-on-black -black crime. And I'm going to open it up. I always want to get a, the, the understand, don't let them fool you about, like whites, Europeans was the first people to come over here. There have always been uh, people of the African uh, Negro teachers that always lived in America. Some of the Native Americans were of the Negroid race, okay? But even down in Mesoamerica, the Olmec people, mm -hmm. and you could go down there and they have these Olmec colossal heads made of basalt, there's basalt boulders, 
in the range from 1.7 to 3.4 meters. Some of them date back to 900 years before Christ, back to King David time. Omec, and then, you know, you talk about thousands of years before uh, Columbus ever came. And Columbus, we need to stop lying that he came to America. Because where I told you about two Sunday over to it, he landed out there what they call Hispaniel, which is around one side or other side of Haiti. They call it Hispaniel. The Omec, uh, Omec is a civilization of ancient Mesoamerican. Some are in the Mexi- in Mexico called La Venta, San Lorenzo, Zapatez, Veracruz, and then some of them date back as far as 1200 B.C., almost during the time of Moses, 1200 B.C., these, these people were here. Some say they were here before Aztecs. They might... The Aztecs might all breed it from them. There's a total of their found in the colossal here have been discovered to this day. And Tenzo, Tenoma in San Lorenzo, and Forma is in La Venta. And they even have them some in the Andes Mountains. And so it's things that, that, that we need to research to find out about these uh, things about that's going on. And it's another thing. Let us learn what systemic racism is. It's the same thing as almost mm-hmm. institutional racism. Institutional racism is also known as systemic racism. It's a form of racism that is embedded as normal practice within society. That's in America. We're, when we say that America, uh, by systemic racism in America, is is uh, practice within the society as a normal practice within society and organization. It can lead to um, through discrimination in criminal justice, employment, housing, healthcare, political powers, education. It reflected in the disparity regarding wealth, income, and criminal justice. Now I just spell out. United States of America, dealing with African-American people. All these things is we have always been discriminated against, excuse me, discriminated against in the judicial system, the criminal justice system, employment, housing, health care, political power, education, mm-hmm. disparity regarding the wealth and income. All of this is, is, is reflective of what we're going through right now in America, not during slavery, not in the 18 or the 1500s, but in America, this very day today. God bless you. I just thank God for my listeners who are listening in, and I pray that the information, things that I talked about, that people could take this in and, and feel interested in we should feel interested in picking up books and reading these books and becoming familiar with the different books that we have mm. and that, that learn about yourself. You know, I love when the Bible, the Bible said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
we don't even know who we are. We 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 we've been told, and it's been we we've been we our eyes should be open to the fact that we lost our culture, we lost our history, we lost our language. We don't have people without a history, without a culture, without a language. The culture that we carry right now is Eurocentric. It's it's it's, it's European. It's Caucasians. You know, we live up to all the expectations, what looks good, how we should live our life. Everything is patterned up on those who are conquered and killed the people and took their land and, the, and who enslaved us. That's where our culture comes from. It's time that we realize it and we stand up and learn about ourselves and do better mm-hmm. and become a self-sufficient people. And we don't have to leave America, but we sure could 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 stand up and be another Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and be a beautiful city. Because no one is going to help you. We need to help ourselves. And that's what I do believe what Marcus Garza said, that we should help ourselves. And sometimes I've had so many people, and these educators said that uh, integration might have hurt us more than it helped us because it, it it made us go to sleep like we were going some way and never went anyway. Thank you, and God bless you. Uh, uh, Pastor Williams, you could open the lines up and read for our Q&A. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, Pastor. Uh, powerful show. Uh, the the lines are open for you. Anyone like to uh, come on and talk to Dr. Kemp? With all this knowledge, please open up to us. Dr. Kemp, uh, the line is open for everybody. We see some people there. God bless you, and welcome to the show, Breaking Chains History Talk with Pastor Dr. LaVert Kemp. God bless you. Good evening. You're live on the air. Uh, good evening. Uh, again, uh, if there's anyone that have a question or anything they would like to add to a share concerning the history, historical aspects of uh, Africa, not just African America, but Africa, because we originated in Africa and our heritage started long before we came to the continental United States on slave ship. Is there anyone who would like to share something with us? I have a question to ask. The only dumb question is one not asked. The line's open. Pastor, uh, you know, the line is yours. Uh, thank you for such a powerful show. Uh, Pastor, though, uh, if you don't mind, if I could interrupt this and ask you right now, i got a young man here in uh, Mobile, Alabama, just got a call. The young man just ran away from home. He's missing. His name is Lavelle, and uh, he's here in Mobile, Alabama. If you could just send up a prayer, uh, please, sir, so for his family uh, down here in Mobile. And what you say his name is? His name is LaBelle. Uh, can you hear me, Sonia? Uh, what's his name? Sorry for the delay, Pastor. Yes, sir, Pastor. Uh, trying to get his last name, Pastor. Young man named Lavelle. Uh, don't have his last name yet. Trying to get his last name right yeah, now, Pastor. Well, God knows where the prayer Lavelle. 
Okay, well, we 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 want to pray for uh, little brother Lavelle and his family. In Heavenly Father, we come in the matchless name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we know you search high and you look low, and you search this man's heart. And Lord, you know whatever reason uh, little brother uh, Lavelle uh, left home or about taking away from home, you know what's going on, and Lord. We pray that he will return home safely. And, Lord, we pray for his family, Lord. And, Lord, build them up where they're torn down and strengthen them where they're weak, Lord. Lead and guide them in the way that you would have them to go, Lord. And we ask, Lord, that, that I know the emptiness when a child is not, you haven't been able to find your child. So, Lord, we ask that you just stand by this family, Lord, and all families who are going through different adverse circumstances, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. And, Lord, as we continue this program, Lord, we pray that you continue to bless uh, Reverend William, Lord. You know what he's going through, Lord, and we ask that you would bless his body, his spirit, and his soul. Bless his family, bless his sister, his brother, his mother, Lord, and give them what they stand in need of, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for this podcast, this program that we try to reach out and teach and give others understanding of the nature of being an African-American or being of African descent, that we are a great people and we come from a great lineage of people, uh, not just right here in uh, the Americas, but we started out great. And, Lord, we know we're going to end up great. Oh, we thank you and we praise you, Lord. And, Lord, as we continue to go on, Lord, we keep asking, Lord, that, all these people that are going through things, we're going through it with political aspects, with the government and uh, Social Security and voting rights and uh, uh, women rights movements and all these movements that's going on, the LGBT, I want to say uh, with that, I ask that you would bless them, Lord, but allow them to know that you didn't make mistakes when you made a man. You didn't make mistakes when you made a woman, Lord, that that. No matter you could clip a snippet, tuck it under, whatever, you still what God made you to be. Oh, we thank you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Um, God bless you, Pastor. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you for that, sir. Well, do you have any announcements that you need to make before we uh, get off the air? I uh, just want to say I uh, thank everybody for tuning in. Continue to support uh, Breaking Chains, History Talk, and all of our podcasts and the ministries. Uh, you can send a cash app to dollar sign, all caps, Y-A-T, live, and uh, continue to check in and uh, continue to lift each other up and support each other and show that love that God has put inside of you. God bless you. Thank you. All right, Pastor. Amen. Well, as we prepare to leave this podcast, we pray we never leave far from your presence. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with the love of God and the sweet, sweet communion of your Holy Spirit, Lord, rest will and abide with us henceforth and forevermore. And all of God's children said, amen, amen, amen. God bless each and every one, black, white, rich, or poor. I love everyone, and there's nothing you could ever do about it. See you. People, I love you. We're a family. Yeah, you and me. Hey, we'll make.
listening to Breaking Chains on YAT Radio. Listen every night as we live stream on www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash YAT Radio. Or call in live 858-357-9137. Breaking Chains on YAT Radio. Leaving a mark that can't be erased by breaking the chains of silence. Thanks for turning us on this evening. Just know we are here to assist you in recovering your light from back from the darkness. Speak the truth with Young Adults Talk Live, a ministry for the people of God. So let's join together and recover what's ours. God bless you from the Young Adults Talk family.